Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that enables CSMs to manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. For over 15 years, I've been a sales, marketing, and customer success executive, and my career is primarily focused on early and growth stage tech companies. The Success League works with leaders in companies of all sizes and stages across the U.S. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with David Verhey, the Vice President of Client Experience at Degreed. And I have to let you guys know we are hanging out at the Workshop Cafe, so you might hear a little bit of background noise. That's okay, we're having fun. David started his career as an HR professional before joining Success Factors in 2004. He spent more than eight years there while the company grew from $10 million to more than $300 million with an IPO and an SAP acquisition along the way. During his tenure, he helped to establish the global customer value function, which was a precursor to customer success as we know it today. Since Success Factors, he has led the customer success function for several startups. Today, we're going to be talking about how customer success teams can effectively work with their counterparts in sales. David and I hold different perspectives on sales, so I think this will be a lively discussion. Uh, but before we get started, David, can you give the audience a little more detail on your career path and also a little bit of information about Degreed and what your organization does? Sure. First, thank you for having me on. Uh, I enjoy the podcast and appreciate the insights into the customer success function that you Thanks. highlight. Uh, it's such an exciting time to be in customer success field, and there's a lot of great people doing interesting and innovative things. So I appreciate the opportunity to share what I've learned so far. So I started my career in human resources, and after working my way up the ladder from recruiter to generalist to managing the entire HR function, I realized, you know what, I don't really like being the HR guy. Um, I had to learn a great deal about HR along the way and about the HR function, and I was fortunate enough to join Success Factors, where I leveraged that knowledge to implement their talent management solutions. Uh, as you noted, I spent a little more than eight and a half years at Success Factors in a variety of roles from professional services to strategic consulting, building their premium analytics business, uh, and ultimately starting the customer value function, uh, which is what we call customer success today. It was in that role that all of the prior experience really came together for me. It's one of the aspects of customer success that I love, is that ability to touch and influence not just customers, but the entire organization serving them. Mm -hmm. So I spent a little bit more than two years building out the global customer value team and about a year with SAP after the acquisition. I love building and growing teams, so I joined HireVue in Salt Lake City and then another Sequoia-backed startup uh, in Palo Alto before joining Degreed, where I lead the client experience team today. Okay, and where is Degreed located? Uh, Degreed is based here in uh, San Francisco, oh, but okay. we have a Great. large presence out in Salt Lake City, where Got all it. of our development and product management teams are. Okay, cool. Tell me a little bit more about Degreed. 
So Degree is a lifelong learning platform and it enables individuals and organizations to find, track, and recognize all learning. Our mission is really big and that's to jailbreak the degree. Organizations are struggling to identify and develop the skills that they need for the future. Right. And at the same time, individuals are struggling to articulate and demonstrate the skills that they've learned and that they've acquired over their careers. Degreed solves that. Yeah. How does it solve that exactly? I think you and I were talking about this the other day and I thought it was really interesting. Yep. Can you give everybody a little bit of a breakdown on that? Yeah, so if you think about all the things you learn in the course of a day, maybe you listen to a great podcast like this one, or you read a book on customer success, or you read a book on sales. How do you track all of those things that you've learned during the course of your week, during the course of the year, since you've graduated from college? Yeah. Up until this point, you really haven't had a transcript of all of those learnings, but all of those things contribute to the skill sets that you have today. Right. And so Degreed creates that transcript, and it's a personal transcript. I take it with me you know, from company to company to demonstrate the skills and knowledge that I've learned along the way. I think that's really neat because I think, you know, as a, as a hiring manager, I think, you know, when you look at somebody who's maybe been a CSM for five years, who hasn't spent a lot of time on personal development, and somebody who has been a CSM for five years who has spent a lot of time on personal development, those are two very different people um, and are really going to be capable of doing different things inside of your organization. So I think it's neat that you guys have found a way to keep tabs on what they've been doing outside of just their college degree. Absolutely. And it's not just uh, tracking what I've done on my own. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a, as a senior HR professional or a senior customer success professional, how can I guide the development of others? And so I can create a pathway that accumulates all of these learning assets um, and I can share that with you so you can follow the path that I've taken to get to where I am in my career. And I can follow somebody else's path to understand what they're learning. Um, what assets they are utilizing, uh, all towards building up that skill set. That's very cool. I really like that. I think it's an it's a neat combination too of what you've done in customer success and your HR background as well. Absolutely, so that's yep. very cool. So you've written several blog posts about how best to engage with sales teams, and I know one of your top suggestions when we discussed potential podcast topics was um, engaging with sales and be being really a successful customer success. Um, leader in a sales-driven environment. Um, why do you think that's such an important subject for customer success leaders to, and teams really to talk about today? Yeah, I, I think that's a great place to start, you know, starting mm -hmm. with uh, why. Yeah. Why, why are we talking <laughs> about this? Um, the relationship between sales and customer success is, is critically important to the success of the customers and ultimately to the health and success of the business. And I think it's an important topic for customer success leaders and our partners in sales to discuss because while we all want the same things, that being successful customers who achieve their business results and are willing to talk about it, we tend to take nuanced views uh, in terms of how we get there. Right. Uh, as customer success leaders, we want well-qualified customers that fit the successful customer persona can move quickly through the life cycle, fully adopt the current product, readily embrace innovation, and be eager advocates for our brand on demand, right? That, right. that sounds yeah. great. Yes. <laughs> well, from the sales perspective, they want the exact same things. Successful customers achieving their goals, acting as references, but they also need to close deals. 
we need them to close deals. And it's that pressure to close, I think, that can generate the friction with customer success. Yeah. Whether it's our pushback on the scope or timing of an implementation, the measures of success being too loosely defined, references needed on the last day of the quarter to close a deal, uh, the pressures of sales often translates into the pressure on customer success. And that's where the friction can come from. But, but, but we can only be successful if our sales partners are. The good news is we all want the same thing. We just need to talk. We need to practice empathy for the challenges of selling and look at, look at it as a partnership. That's why I think it's a great topic to discuss with you today and for customer success leaders to think about. Great. So David, another thing I thought we should define before we get too deep into the discussion is what you mean by a company with a sales culture. What are the characteristics of that kind of organization? Sure. Uh, as a former HR professional, I, I know that trying to define culture is a, like trying to teach a dog physics. It's yeah. really difficult. <laughs> um, when I refer to a sales culture, what I'm talking about is an organizational culture where the focus on selling and sales success is shared across teams, not just celebrating the wins. That's the fun mm -hmm. part, and I think that everybody does that. Um, but when the sales challenges, the sales processes, the sales intensity, and sales collaboration are all a part of the foundation of the organization's values, relationships, and operating model. It can be hard to articulate culture, so I, I thought of a couple of examples to try okay, and articulate what, yeah, I, what I'm thanks. thinking of. Um, the first is sales pipeline meetings. Um, it's a sales-driven process, of course. But when it includes cross-functional leaders who actively engage in the discussion and contribute to the planning because it's expected, because it's, it's normal, I think that's indicative of a sales culture. Yeah. Uh, similarly, with win-loss reviews, um, when they don't just focus on adjusting the sales and marketing message, but are rich discussions of wins and losses, um, and are discussed as a company with each function really feeling a sense of accountability to doing what they can to change the outcomes. Did sales lose or did we all lose this deal? Yeah. Uh, and another example, final example is who goes to club at the end of the year? Uh, at Success Factors, Lars Dalgard made a point of ensuring that cross-functional teams uh, went to club. Those people who enabled sales success were there to celebrate sales success at the end of the, the year. Um, so those were just a couple of examples. Yeah. So for those of you in the audience who are not salespeople, club is the fancy uh, tropical trips that you get to go on at the end of the year if you hit your quota or overachieved as a salesperson. So they're super fun, and it's really cool that your organization actually brought other groups along on that because it's typically, in, I'd say in most organizations, it's just uh, top salespeople and their spouses. And nobody uh, else really gets to go. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. Lars yeah. really made a point of ensuring that cross-functional teams, not just the selling team, but services teams, customer success, even people from finance who enabled deal flow, yeah. um, marketing people who enabled the messaging, really cross-functional teams were able to celebrate the success. And that's part of what helped to reinforce a sales culture. That's fantastic. I know some customer success teams have selling responsibilities like renewals and expansion opportunities and others don't. Uh, is the advice that you're going to be sharing today relevant to both kinds of teams? And if not, how does it differ? Uh, I think it is relevant to both teams. Okay, uh, great. In, in, ensuring a seamless and highly collaborative partnership between sales and customer success is critical regardless of whether the customer success team is carrying a quota for upsell and expansion 
or carrying a quota for renewals or is simply tasked with and measured based on driving adoption and driving that promoter score. Yeah. I think it's relevant and, and having that uh, strong collaborative partnership with, with sales is just critical for everybody's success. Okay, great. So let's dive in. In one of your articles, you mentioned that all of the other teams, um, and this is again in an organization with a sales culture, need to stay close to or be aligned with and support sales outcomes. What does this mean specifically for a customer success team? Yeah, so that's a great point to highlight, and that's one of the reasons that I love the podcast. It's it's not just lofty ideas by big thinkers. Uh, it's, yeah. it's drilling down to... We want to know how to do it. How do, how do we do it? Yeah. So, so I love that about the podcast. That is, it's a great question. Um, so specifically for customer success teams, some of the ways that I've found to ensure we are both aligned with and enabling sales outcomes uh, include you know, the pipeline review meeting. So I mentioned that uh, a minute ago. Customer success should be a key stakeholder at that meeting. But just having a seat at the table isn't enough. Staying aligned is great, but you also need to enable sales. And so leveraging those meetings to contribute to the discussion, specifically how can customer success help in a particular deal, is a great way to both align and enable sales. Okay. It's also super important to focus on the yes and here's how in those meetings. Okay. Um, onboarding is another uh, another specific place okay. um, to align and enable. For lots of salespeople, the deal is done when they transition it over to customer success. Yeah. For great salespeople, they want to stay involved, but they need to go about selling. Yeah. So when a, when customer success is aligned and enabling, we leverage that as a transition point, like the sales to CS handoff, to not just take information from our sales partners, but to give them back information, to give them tidbits, tools, tricks that they can use with the next customer that they're selling to. Oh, that's a great I idea. I think that's driving to not just alignment, not just a smooth, seamless, collaborative partnership, but really helping to enable sales um, right. and giving them something back. Uh, and the last example is references. So sales can never have enough references. Um, that's just <laughs> sales. That no matter true. how many you may have, <laughs> they, they need more. Um, so one of the easy ways for customer success to align and enable is to treat reference management mm -hmm. with the discipline that demonstrates you empathize with sales needs to have those customers tell the story. And that's a little bit of just proactively telling them what you have, what you're working on, how it's tracked, how they can use. Uh, it, it's work, it's, it's a it lot is. of work. Uh, it often kind of falls to the, the back of the agenda. But I think the more that we can do in customer success to demonstrate that empathy for sales needs for references in a mm -hmm. proactive way, uh, the better that we can do in, in aligning and enabling with our sales partners. I love that example. I think, um, you know, it, one of the companies I, I worked for, we actually built a module, um, a little object in Salesforce that enabled us to track um, customers as references with some details about you know, why they were a reference and what they would be willing to talk about and when they had agreed to be a reference so you could check back and make sure that they were still okay. Um, and I think um, making that structure around the references process really demonstrated to the sales organization that um, customer success people were really on board with um, wanting to get them references. Yep, I think I think that's a that's a great example of just showing the discipline around the process, right? So that your sales partners feel like you're taking that reference need they have yeah. seriously, and you're putting effort in, into it. Yeah. 
So one thing you mentioned as a big no-no um, to sales organizations is slowing down the sales process. And as a former head of sales in a number of different organizations, I absolutely agree with you on that one. Slowing down sales isn't good for anybody. Um, however, looking at it now um, as a former leader of customer success teams and, and as a, a consultant for customer success organizations, now I can completely see why CS leaders might want to press pause on some deals to make sure that the sales team is bringing in the right customers and that they're setting the right expectations. So how do you reconcile those two perspectives? Yeah, I, I think you raise an important point. While slowing down sales should be an organizational taboo, sometimes it really is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But I think in customer success, it's important to carve that out as a corner case, as a, as a what-if event. Yeah. And, and focus instead on customer success leaders and their teams uh, taking a position or a mindset of, how can I help get to yes for my sales partners? How can I enable them versus putting up barriers right. versus even proactively thinking about how can I put up barriers? When do I yeah. need to step in? Uh, it's more of a case of how can I turn the no into a yes and here's how for my sales partners. Um, I appreciate that it isn't always black and white yeah. and, and that those situations do pop up where you have to you know, yell pause. Um, but I think as customer success leaders, we do it. Uh, we would be best served by really embracing that yes and here's how mindset and partnering with sales and looking for ways to enable them versus looking for you know those opportunities where we have to stop, slow down, or create barriers. Yeah, okay. Um, one area where I think you and I maybe disagree a little bit is the subject of whether or not CSM should sell. And I think you're in the strong no camp and I'm in the generally yes camp, although I do think there are some exceptions. Um, can you give us your perspective on the role of customer success and why you think selling doesn't align with that? I'll probably throw in my perspective here and why I think the way that I do, and everybody should just keep in mind that I do come from a sales background, so I'll throw that out there. So to me, sales seems very natural, um, and I know it doesn't seem that way for everybody. So um, I will try not to um, disagree with you too much. <laughs> yeah, Not a problem. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm firmly in the camp that believes customer success should not be responsible for selling. Okay. Uh, I started the blog post that you referenced by stating that we are not all in sales. And by that, I meant specifically, we're not all responsible for closing deals. We're all responsible for enabling sales, yes, absolutely, I, yeah. I don't think anybody can disagree to that. But we don't all feel the burdens and pressures of sales. Uh, and it's also true that not all of us are good at selling. It's one of the reasons that I take the stance that customer success uh, shouldn't be in a selling uh, role. There's a big difference between selling the value of a solution, selling a transformation, or selling a customer on ideas of best practices, um, all stuff that customer success should be good at. There's a big difference between that and selling a customer on a $150,000 transaction. It's just different. Um, so there in my mind is a skill set difference. Uh, philosophically, I think customer success is most effective when it's focused on three activities in surface of the customer. One is acting as a subject matter expert. Um, second is acting as an advocate for the customer, both internally yeah. and externally. Um, and the third is acting as a trusted advisor. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can be a trusted advisor, which is critically important, especially as you work your way up in an organization, 
uh, to have that true partnership relationship. Um, you can't be the trusted advisor and also be the person that's asking for a check, negotiating terms, or driving hard to get a, a quarter closed. So I was—I I knew that you disagreed with me, and so I was—I was thinking, I, you know, I, I, I need an analogy to try and make my case. Okay, um, and, you try to make your case, and then I'll tell you what I think, and then we can see if we can reconcile a little bit. Perfect. So <laughs> the best analogy I could come up with is: um, do, Don't you trust your doctor? just a little bit less if you know that they're getting paid on the drugs that they prescribe to you versus the doctor who's getting paid based on your long-term health regardless of what drugs you use or even if you take the drugs at all they're paid on your health versus the doctor that's getting you know paid by the the drug and the pharma companies um, and is recommending and, and pushing all of their drugs Are there their doctors drugs that are, are paid on your long-term health? Because I would love to find <laughs> one of those. <laughs> See, but you, 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 you get my... I think I'm jaded, but I get your point. You yeah. get my point. You, uh, you, you feel like the, the doctor yeah. who is paid on your long-term healthy yes. outcomes is your trusted advisor. You could just take their advice because mm -hmm. their goals are aligned with your goals. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's not the case with the one who's getting paid on drugs. So um, that's kind of why I think customer success needs to keep, uh, you know, out of the selling activities of closing transactions and, and carrying a quota. But um, that's my perspective. I'd love to hear yours. I'd love to hear, um, you know, why you're encouraging rampant drug use. And <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely what I'm encouraging. No, I think because I come from a, a background in selling where it's been a um, more of a consultative approach to sales, it's really focused on making sure you're never ever selling something to a customer that they really don't need. And, um, and this requires, of course, for you to be working for a company whose ethics align with that. Um, and if you don't, then probably you're absolutely right. I would agree with you. CSM should not be selling in that kind of an environment because it does take away from the trusted advisor status. However, as a, as a salesperson way back, you know, I think what I was always striving for with my clients was to be a trusted advisor who they were willing to buy from because I was their trusted advisor. And I, um, and that was really the goal of approaching sales as a consultant. And so I, I think a lot of this comes from my own experience in being a salesperson and running sales teams. Um, but the way that I look at it, my, my analogy, and I guess this is less of an analogy and more of a story, um, as I got further along in my career, um, you know, I became a buyer of enterprise solutions. So I would buy, you know, Salesforce or I would buy a CS platform at the different organizations I, I worked for. And I would have an account manager or a CSM who was my main day-to-day -day contact for that solution. And we had a great relationship and they were the one that I always talked to. And they were the ones that often uncovered whether there was something additional that we needed. And, um, and I, it always felt very artificial to me when right around renewal time three people I'd never met before came marching into the office and wanted to like hard sell me on something that really the customer success person had already uncovered and I was already prepared to buy it and I did not need that extra effort and so it I, I really personally don't like the artificial aspect of bringing in someone that I don't have a solid relationship with and so that's I guess that's my perspective on why I think in many cases it doesn't really take away from the trusted advisor status 
of a CSM to sell something to a client. I'd say the exceptions in my mind are deals that are very large, that do require a tremendous amount of negotiation. Um, I think that is a separate skill set and often involves on the customer side other people as well. So, you know, maybe a purchasing department, that really is its own thing. And, um, and I think in that case, having a salesperson involved absolutely makes sense. And then um, if you're working for an organization where it is not a consultative sales process and you are trying to jam a bunch of stuff the customer doesn't need down their throat, then yeah, I'd say if you're a CSM in such an organization, back away from selling and let the salespeople do that. 100%. It will take away from your trusted advisor status. So that's my perspective on that. No, that's great. I I think you raise a number of of good points. And I I think, you know, one aspect that I picked up on was, you know, customers want to buy from their trusted advisor. A customer success person who's doing their job as trusted advisor is identifying opportunities and the customer because they're happy because they're having a great experience wants to buy yeah and and you're right it can feel a little uh false to bring in somebody else then to have to close that transaction like kabuki theater you know we're all just acting these parts yeah Yeah. and so a little bit of it can but i think that goes back to why it's so important for customer to success yeah. to have a great relationship with sales yeah. so that it isn't that hard reintroduction of somebody who's been missing for three years right. coming back to close the <laughs> renewal. Yeah. But you know the customer success person keeping their partners in sales up to date, knowing which executive meetings to pull them into so that they can stay close to the account, they can stay close to the executive relationships without spending an inordinate amount of time trying to co-manage the account. Right. Let them focus on the selling activities. And then when it does come time to close that transaction, you as a great customer success person teed me up. I want to buy it from you. Um, but you then aren't in a position to do kind of the, the hard job of selling to get the full dollar amount for our business, right? You're my trust advisor. We're yeah, partners. We've talked about it. Yeah. Sometimes salespeople have to be the bad cop. Yeah. They have to hold hard on the numbers. They have to have that friction to get the best deal. So it, it's it's not always the that. case. Yeah. But, um, yeah. You know. I think that's a solid point. You know, the negotiation piece is, is not always easy. Right. I think what you were saying about the relationship between sales and CS leads really nicely into the next question that I had, which was another theme that kind of came out in your writing. Uh, the idea that there should be mutual respect between customer success and sales organizations. And I really like the way you worded that in one of your posts. Uh, you said, coffee was not only for closers, but those individuals who supported, enabled, and accelerated closing. So what suggestions do you have for our listeners to help them develop respect between teams? I think this is a huge problem that I see in a lot of organizations where there just isn't a respect between those two groups. Uh, it is a problem, and mm-hmm. it can be a, a huge problem, as, yeah. as you suggest. Um, so I mentioned it a couple times, and I think it's really important suggestion for customer success leaders and for their teams, and that's to practice empathy. Um, and it's right in our wheelhouse in customer success. We hopefully. practice, <laughs> hopefully, right? <laughs> we practice empathy with customers every day. Yeah. So my number one suggestion for helping customer success develop respect for their sales partners. Um, and to earn mutual respect is to practice empathy. Sales is a really hard job, as, as you probably yes, well know. Yes, it's, it a, is. it's a really hard job. Many of us wouldn't make it as sales reps. So as you start building your relationship with your sales partners, take a moment and put yourselves in their shoes. 
remind yourselves and remind your teams that sales wants the exact same things that you do. They're just operating in a different model with a different set of pressures. And the more that you can empathize with that, um, the more that you can start to build that uh, trust and respect-based yeah. relationship. Um, my second suggestion is, is listening. And you know, it's as simple as that, just listening. And again, it's right in the wheelhouse of customer success. Empathy requires listening. Too often when, when we in customer success sit down with sales, we're talking about our customer success programs, our policies, our rules of the road, all the stuff that we in customer success can get really excited about. Um, but building empathy requires that we start by listening, listening to learn from the sales partners. Um, and I think that's just critically important for us um, as we, we work to build that relationship, that trust-based relationship, that respect-based relationship, yeah. is to just listen and practice empathy. And then the third suggestion, um, and I noted it earlier, is to proactively, deliberately, and obsessively focus on this idea of how can I get to yes for my sales partners? Um, when you meet with sales and adopt a yes and here's how mindset, you'll be amazed at how quickly you can establish an effective trust-based relationship. There, it's, it's super hard. <laughs> it, it continues to be hard. There's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah. I myself have not always been, been good at this. Um, but a yes and here's how operating model is a really effective way to establish respect, to earn the respect from, um, the, from the sales team um, and to build that positive collaborative relationship that we all want. Yeah, I think it can be really easy just to give the listeners kind of an idea of what it's like on the sales side sometimes to engage with customer success team. It can feel like you're just being told no constantly. Um, and you're trying to make money, not just for yourself, but for your entire company. And you know you take a lot of responsibility when you're a sales rep for um, supporting the company that you work for. And it's, it's a tough job. And when you're constantly being told no by another group, you can get really resentful really quickly of that and, and start to feel like they're just not on your side. And so I think you make some great points about how you can kind of overcome that. Yeah, and I think that's where the empathy comes in. Yeah. Is, uh, lots of us in customer success, don't we don't always pause often enough when we think about our policies and our programs and our initiatives. We know how important they are to the business. But when that salesperson comes with a request, you know, just being empathetic to their their need to close deals at the end of the quarter. Right. That's, we all need that. Yeah, um, the whole company needs that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So one thing I continue to see as a trend in the field of customer success is that organizations, especially subscription-based organizations, are really moving away from a traditional sales structure and toward a more holistic structure that looks at the lifetime value of customers rather than just the initial sale value. Uh, how do you see this shifting the roles and responsibilities between sales and customer success um, as we go down the road? And how do you think that trend is going to shift the dynamics between those teams as well? Yeah, I, I think customer success as a function is going to continue to evolve. Um, it's evolved a lot over the last couple yeah. of, of years. Uh, it just grown dramatically, been defined dramatically different than where we started. Um, and I think as it continues to evolve, organizations will find new ways to leverage the incredible value that we create through the customer success function while also looking to manage the expense line. It's not an insignificant mm -hmm. part of a company's budget maintaining a customer success team. 
So taking a holistic view of lifetime value, just as, as you suggested, is a, is a current approach that's getting a lot of traction and for good reason. Um, when we originally started the customer value function at SuccessFactors, it was originally about protecting the long-term value, really focused on renewal management right. and risk management yeah. within the renewal portfolio. Um, but we got great at that, and with success, we started to help drive value through proactively driving product adoption, proactively driving those opportunities for expansion through trust-based relationships with our, with our, our customers. So I haven't seen how the current trend, uh, which focuses on long-term value and, and, and ultimately I, I, I haven't seen how that's going to yeah. affect the, the operating model and the different roles within the organization. Uh, but for all of the changes in the customer success function, I'm sure that there's um, some great people out there doing really innovative things uh, in this space that we'll all learn from uh, through through podcasts like this uh, in the near future. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I'm seeing in this area really is that um, I see customer success and sales starting to come underneath either a chief customer officer or a chief revenue officer who kind of covers both of those functions. And I think that's an interesting trend um, that I've seen because I think that um, while there's some natural and very positive friction, I think sometimes between sales and customer success teams, I think having the whole experience under the umbrella of a single senior leader in the organization can create a really wonderful and consistent customer experience. It absolutely can. Yeah. It can also have some adverse effects. And yes. this goes back to this goes back to our point from yeah. before. Should yeah. should customer success be selling? Yeah. Um, so if if that function rolls up to the chief customer officer, I think great. We can <laughs> we can have so a maybe great, sales needs to go to the chief customer ex, officer. Ex, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think if, if customer success rolls up under sales uh -huh. sales it begins to look a lot more like an inside yeah. sales team because then you're carrying a quota, you're driven by quarter closes, mm -hmm. you're driven by hitting your number versus you know driving product mm -hmm. adoption, customer success, and going where the problems in you know the problem yeah. accounts are. Those problem accounts aren't going to buy anything more um, until you make them happy and healthy, right. and yeah, that requires yeah. an investment. And that type of time investment isn't always in the sweet spot of what sales is doing. Um, so I've, I've seen the model, and, and, you, and you're right, that absolutely happens a lot where it kind of rolls up under sales, but that introduces some different points of uh, uh, friction for customers. I think one thing I'm seeing with the chief revenue officers, because I've absolutely seen what you're describing where it, the CS function starts to look a lot more salesy if they're reporting into a chief revenue officer. But what, one of the things that I think is really positive that I'm starting to see too is that I think chief revenue officers are starting to look... Um, look a little different and have different skills than they've had in the past and really be more aware of the fact that they have to look at the whole customer life cycle holistically and it can't just be all about production of revenue. And I think the great thing about having a, a chief revenue officer heading up success is that it puts that team in a position to have more resources because a chief revenue officer is classically responsible for revenue and usually all of the revenue in an organization and then they're going into your board and you can get more resources for the success team if they're the one in there kind of pitching for you. So I think there's some advantages to it as well. But I, yeah, I, th I think absolutely, absolutely see your point on how it can go horribly wrong. <laughs>
you're right about the chief re- the yeah. chief revenues officers starting yeah. to look a little bit uh, like a, yeah. a broad leadership role as opposed to just you know the most senior sales guy. Yeah, um, yeah. And that does influence how the organizational uh, culture evolves underneath them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. It's an area that I'm fascinated with because I have experience in both fields. Yeah, and exactly. So, yeah. Uh, last question, and again, this is something I ask of all of our guests. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? Yeah, so the biggest trend I see now is the focus on the metrics. Okay. Um, and not just the vanity metrics, um, <laughs> but, but really outcome metrics. Yeah. Um, so your net promoter score is 72. Um, I'm amazed at how many companies have these incredibly strong net promoter scores now. Um, but I think the question that's being asked is, okay, great. What does that 72 translate into in terms of revenue retention, in terms of customer long-term value? Um, if we're sitting down and saying we drove 200% adoption growth, great. What's the correlation between adoption and net revenue retention and the references required to grow sales? Um, so I, I think everyone has religion now around customer success. When, when I speak with founders and tech leaders uh, within the community, no one needs to be convinced anymore that they right. need a customer <laughs> success function. A few years ago, it was, oh, yeah. what's customer a success? A year ago. <laughs> a year ago. <laughs> um, and then everybody said, okay, need customer success. And, and you're talking about processes and tools and technology to yeah. do that. I think we're kind of, you know, the next level of maturity with that, where they're really asking the hard questions, the smart questions that say, mm-hmm. okay, you're doing all these things. How is this translating into revenue? How is this translating into sales growth, new logos? Um, and so th- th- as, as they drill into this, I think it creates a great opportunity for us as customer success leaders and in customer success teams to you know, double click on everything that we're doing and make sure that we can connect those dots. Um, and that's one of the reasons I think it's so important, and you kind of alluded to it a minute ago, so important for us to be connected with sales, because sales already does this. Sales right. knows their numbers. They know how it contributes. They know you know, 10 steps backwards from a deal closing whether or not it's gonna close. And I think at customer success, we have the opportunity to continue to mature on that front Absolutely. and stay really close and learn from sales uh, and, and how some of those metrics, how one thing connects to another. Yeah, I think we need to get a lot more rigorous in that area. And so I think that's a great trend that you point out for the group. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate your willingness to share your ideas with the audience. And I know they are going to benefit from your great practical suggestions. Thanks for bringing those. So thank you for coming today. Thank you. It was great. I enjoyed it. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to share my experience. Love the podcast and the opportunity to learn from others as well. So thank you. Oh, thank you very much. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website at thesuccessleague.io and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, please subscribe to Strike Deck Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. And finally, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time.